Friends, tonight we're studying about how we can let the past be past and move forward into a new beginning of Jesus. And we see that it is by baptism of the Spirit and baptism of the water, these two things must go together. In fact, the next question is, how important is the rite of baptism? And is it really necessary for one to be baptized in order to be saved? Notice what Jesus said in the book of Mark, chapter 16 and verse 16. Jesus said, whoever believes and is what? Baptized shall be saved. But he that believes not shall be damned. So here we see Jesus said that if we want to be saved, we must believe, not only believe, but we also must be baptized. So baptism and belief must go together. Both of them are essential in order for salvation to be realized. In fact, this topic is so important that it's actually mentioned over 80 times in the New Testament. So important that Jesus Christ himself was baptized in Matthew chapter 3, giving us an example to follow. You see, Jesus was not baptized because he had a sinful past to repent of. He was baptized for the strict purpose of fulfilling all righteousness, for giving us an example of a new beginning. And friends, when Jesus was baptized, you remember the story in Matthew chapter 3, the voice was heard from heaven, the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You see, being baptized is well pleasing to God. Not only that, but the Spirit came in the form of the dove and anointed Jesus to begin his public ministry, empowering him. And he received the joy and the special infilling of the Spirit. And friends, when we follow the example of Jesus in getting baptized, we too receive the joy of knowing that we're pleasing our Heavenly Father. We will receive the peace of knowing that every sin is wiped clean by his blood. We receive a special anointing of the Spirit to begin our public ministry. Oh, friends, baptism is a beautiful experience that every true believer in Jesus must have in order to be saved. In fact, how many of you have been baptized before? And so you know exactly what I'm talking about tonight. But friends, listen, for every truth that God has, Satan has a counterfeit. And so too with the truth of baptism. There's a true teaching and a true baptism, but there's also a counterfeit one. You see, friends, in a Christian world today, there are many different methods of baptism being practiced today. One of the most common methods is baptism by sprinkling drops of water upon a person's head. There's even uh, baptism by uh, immersing babies underwater. I've even heard of baptism by pouring water, rose petal baptism, oil baptism, snow baptism, dry cleaning baptism, where they just put their hands all over you and pronounce you baptized. I even heard of a, a pastor that took his congregation to local fire station and asked the firemen to hose them down and pronounce them baptized. <laughs> you see, there are many different methods of baptism being practiced today. And the question is, are all of these biblically acceptable? Does it make a difference how one is baptized? Which is the biblical method of baptism? Well, friend, let me tell you, it does make a difference according to the Word of God. And so what is the true biblical method of baptism? Notice what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4. And verses 4 and 5, please write it down. The Bible says, There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and many baptisms. Is that what it says? How many? Now, friends, when it says one baptism, it doesn't mean that you can only be baptized once, because in the Bible we see examples of people who are baptized twice. When it, ta- when it says one baptism, it's talking about one true method of baptism. Just like there's only one true Lord and one true faith, there's only one true experience, one true method of baptism. And friends, what method is that? Is it, is it rose petal? Is it pouring? Is it sprinkling? Is it oil? Is it fire hose? Which one is the biblical method? Well, friends, the only one you find in the Bible is baptism by immersion, going underneath the water. In fact, the Greek word uh, baptized, is, the, the word baptized is the, in the Greek, baptizo, which literally means to dip, to immerse, or to plunge under 
water. In fact, this was the way that Jesus was baptized. You read in, in the book of Matthew chapter 3, both John the Baptist and Jesus were in the water, and Jesus went into the water, and he came up out of the water. The only biblical method of baptism in the Bible, the one true experience and method, is baptism by immersion. And friends, if this is clear, would you please say amen? And friends, the reason why this is so important and significant is because remember the symbolism behind it. The symbol of baptism by immersion, it represents the death, burial, and resurrection. When you're going underneath the water, you're not breathing, are you? It's not a good idea to breathe underwater. Isn't that right? And so when you're under the water, your breath is suspended. Remember, we study when we, what happens when a person dies. When the breath departs, it's a symbol of death. So when you're under the water, your breath is suspended, your eyes are closed, your hands are folded. It's a symbol of a death, a funeral. You're burying your old life of sin. And then when you come out of the water, you take your first breath. It's resurrection to a brand new life. And so the symbols are important to God. And pouring and sprinkling and oil and rose petal and snow and fire hose does not have the same symbolism. Can you say amen? And so therefore, if we were not baptized by immersion, then we ought to do it following the example of Jesus Christ himself. And so the next question is this. If baptism by immersion is the true method in the Bible, then when were all these other methods of baptism introduced? Well, friends, listen. It wasn't until the Council of Ravenna in 1311 AD that sprinkling and pouring were officially accepted as equally valid as immersion in the rite of baptism. You see, it was the Roman church that made this change to the biblical method. And they did it 1,300 years after Christ, going against the Holy Scriptures. And it was during this time that the church began to baptize babies and infants. Never before in the Bible was this ever practiced. But the church began to baptize infants because this was the way that they could control people, forcing everyone to be members of that church from their very birth, not having a choice in the matter. And it was also introduced by a faulty and non-biblical understanding of the nature of sin. They began to teach that an innocent baby is born guilty for Adam's sin. This is the doctrine of original sin. And if that baby was not baptized and died, then that baby would be condemned to hellfire because of Adam's sin. Babies were born guilty. That's what the church began to teach. And to the means of fearing people of hell, the people were, 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 were coerced into baptizing their infants. And so, friends, is this true? Are babies born guilty? and condemned to hell because of Adam's sin? Friends, absolutely not. The Bible is clear that we're born with the sinful tendencies of Adam, but we're not born with the guilt of Adam's sin. In fact, notice what it says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 16. The Bible says, The father shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his what? Own sin. In other words, an individual has to choose for himself to follow that sinful nature in order for guilt to be imputed to that person. And we inherit the sinful tendencies of Adam, but not the guilt of Adam. You see, friends, when it comes to babies and little children, Jesus always spoke of the little children in the context of innocence and the kingdom of heaven. Remember, Jesus said, except you become like a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Over and over again, Jesus said, to, you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent, but you've revealed them to babes. So whenever Jesus spoke of the children, and the little ones, he always spoke of them in the context of innocence and his kingdom. You see, friends, the little ones are under the grace of God because they are not able to choose for themselves. And so what should we as parents do for the little ones that God has entrusted into us? As parents, we need to give them every advantage to make this decision for Christ for themselves when they come of age and when they come of understanding. 
And at birth, what parents can do is not baptize their babies, but dedicate them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? In fact, this is what happened to Jesus when he came into the world. Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple, and the priest said, said a special prayer of dedication for the babe Christ. You can find that in Luke chapter 2, verse 27 and 28. You see, Jesus was dedicated as an infant, but he was not baptized as an infant. He was baptized as an adult. Because baptism, friends, represents a person's personal decision for Christ that they have made intellectually in their minds. And so that causes people to ask, well, how old do you, does a, a, a person have to be in order to make this decision for themselves? Well, that depends on the child's level of understanding because some children learn a lot faster than others. And that leads us to our next question. How do you know when you're ready for baptism? In other words, how can we know if God is leading us to this special decision? If baptism is just the outward expression then what is the inward experience that we must have before we're baptized? Well, friends, I want to share with you, the Bible gives us three steps. How many? <clears throat> three steps that we must have inwardly in order for the outward expression of water baptism to be meaningful and significant. And we're going to see tonight that these three steps a baby cannot make. Therefore, a child should not be baptized until they have experienced in their hearts and minds these three steps. How many want to know what the three steps are? Well, I hope you'll write them down. Number one is that we must learn the truth of God's Word. Why? Because baptism is not an emotional decision of the moment. It is an intellectual decision that is based upon the truth of the Word of God. That's the first step. We must learn the truth of God's Word. Notice what it says in the book of Acts, chapter 2 and verse 41. The Bible says, Then those who gladly received His Word were what? Baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's added to the church. And so we find that the people received the Word first, and then they were Baptized. You see, their baptism was based upon the teachings of the Word of God. It was not an emotional decision of the moment. It was based upon understanding the truth of God's Word. In fact, Jesus said it like this in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Jesus said to the disciples, Go, ye, go therefore and do what? Before baptizing, go therefore and teach all nations, then what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, then what? teaching them to observe all things what, uh, that I have commanded you. So notice the sequence. Jesus said, teach, then baptize, then teach them all things, which shows that we must be taught before we're baptized. It can't be something that we just go through the motions. We have to understand the clear teachings of the Word of God. But friends, does that mean that we have to know everything before we're baptized? Obviously not, because after we're baptized, Jesus said, teaching them to observe all things. So we're not going to learn everything. We're, we're, if you're waiting to know it all before you're baptized, you'll never be baptized because we're never going to know it all in this world. We're going to constantly be learning about the Lord throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. Can you say amen? And so we don't have to know everything, but we ought to know the essentials. Can you say amen? Because as I mentioned, baptism is just like getting married. Now, friends, it, when you got married to your spouse, did you know every single thing about your spouse before you married them? Obviously, after you were married, there were some, there was, there was some surprises. Isn't that right? But friends, before you married that person, you at least got to know them, right? Got to know the most important things, who they really were. And so too, when it comes to Jesus, we can't just rush into it. We have to get to know him first. We're not going to know everything, but we have to know the most important things. And so step number one, we must learn the essential teachings of the Bible so that it's not an emotional decision, but a decision that is based upon the word of God. And if that makes sense, would you please say amen? But not only must we know the Word of God, step number two, we must believe it with all of our hearts. Believe with all your heart, not just your mind, but with your heart. Notice what the Bible says in the book of Acts, 
chapter 8 and verse 37. Philip said to the Ethiopian eunuch who wanted to be baptized. Philip said to him, if you what? Believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see, when you study the story in Acts 8, you'll notice that the Ethiopian eunuch was on his way back, or uh, he was coming back from the temple uh, worship service in Jerusalem. And he was reading the scroll of Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. He was reading a messianic prophecy concerning the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, this messianic prophecy was just fulfilled in the life of Christ. This prophecy was the present truth message of the day. And upon learning the present truth message of the day, he not only believed it in his mind, but in his heart. He said, yes, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and thus he was baptized. So this shows us that belief in God's word with all our hearts must come before a person is baptized. But friends, many people say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but many of them are lost who say that. You know why? Because for every truth, there's a counterfeit. There's a true belief, but then there's also a counterfeit belief. Notice what the Bible says in James 2, verse 19. Write it down. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. You see, the devil also believes, but he's lost because he has a, a counterfeit belief. He has a head knowledge belief, but not a heart experience belief with Jesus. And so this belief is more than just saying, yes, I believe, I know that God is real. Yes, I know his word is true. It's to believe with all your heart. And so we need to have a saving belief. Or what kind of belief? So what does a saving heart belief look like? Well, let me give you a story that illustrates what heart belief really is. What falls is this? Do you know? This is Niagara Falls. And friends, back in, excuse me, back in 1859, there was a story about a man whose name was Charles Blondin. What is his name? He was the first one to walk across a tightrope across Niagara Falls. He did it many times over and over again. In fact, great crowds began to gather to watch this amazing feat as he was risking his life walking across a tightrope across these massive falls. Now, friends, if he would have fallen, he would have died. But he did it over and over. He was very, he was very skilled at walking across this tightrope. And friends, in 1859, around that time period, he was about to walk across the typo again. A great crowd gathered, and people were just amazed at what he was doing. And there was a man in the crowd that, that, that said to Mr. Blondin, Mr. Blondin, why don't you take someone with you across the falls? And he said, wow, you really believe I can do that? Yes, I believe you can do it. I mean, you did it so many times. Surely you could take someone with you across the falls. You really believe I can do it? Yes, yes, I believe. Okay, get on my back and we'll try it. <laughs> and the man that said he believed quickly disappeared in the crowd. <laughs> he said he believed with his words, but friends, did he really believe? No, he didn't believe because he was not willing to get on his back. But about a year after that, Mr. Blondin actually took someone with him. His name was Harry Colcord across the Niagara Falls on his back. Now, friends, that man that got on his back, he demonstrated what saving belief in God looks like. Because in getting on his back, he was essentially putting his life in the hands of somebody else. He was not in control at that point. The only thing, you see, he, had, he didn't have the skill to get across the falls. The only thing that he had to do was what? Hold on, isn't that right? And trust in the skill and the ability of Mr. Blondin. Friends, that's what it means to believe with all our heart in God. It's to get on the back of God and to hang on to his power. Can you say amen? It's allow God to carry us across the tightrope of life because we can't do it on our own. It's saying, God, I'm putting my life in your hands. I'm no longer in control of my life. I want to put not just my life into your hands, but I want to put my finances in your hands. 
I want to put my health issues in your hands. I want to put my family and my children, my home, my education, my job, my business. I want to put everything in your hands because I believe that you will never fall and you will never fail me. That you will bring me safely across the other side. And so even though, Lord, it, it seems to be scary, I'm putting my faith and my trust in you. I'm believing you not just with my mind, but with all my heart. That's what it means to believe. Oh, friends, how many of you believe in Jesus? To believe is to rest our life fully. What word was that? Fully, completely, and unreservedly on Christ and the sufficiency of the words of Jesus Christ. Can he say amen? It's saying, God, I can't do it anymore. If I try to do it on my own, I'm going to fall. I've fallen. I've, I've, I've lived my life the way I, I, I've done life my own way. And I've fallen over and over again. Now I'm getting on your back. Please, Lord, would you please carry me? And when you see one set of footprints, you know that God was the one that was carrying you the whole time. Can you say amen? And so that's the second step, to believe. And friends, I believe, but you know what we need to pray? We need to say, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Because friends, God wants to strengthen that belief day by day. You see, when we first start out on this thing, we don't have a perfect belief. Our belief is small and it's weak and it's feeble, feeble and it's vacillating. But friends, as we continue to put our trust day by day, the Lord begins to strengthen that belief and give us evidences through answered prayer and providence that he is a God that can be trusted and that he never fails and falls. And then the third step, true belief will always be followed by step number three before you get baptized is that we need to experience repentance. And that word repentance in the Greek is mataneo, which literally means to change your Mind. In other words, you need to let what you have learned and believed in the Word of God now to rewire the way that you think. And friends, a change of mind, repentance, will be demonstrated in a change of life. Because think about it, it is your mind that produces your thoughts and feelings. Your thoughts and feelings produce your words and actions. Words and actions form habits. Habits make up your character or your lifestyle, and it is your character that determines your destiny. So a call to repentance is more than just to change our way of thinking. It will result in a change and transformation in the way that we live our lives. Are you with me, yes or no? It's to change our former belief system, our former worldview. And as we do, we experience a corresponding transformation in our life. And friends, this does not mean that we're perfect. We're going to fall. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. But God, as our Heavenly Father, will pick us up, dust us off, and help us to continue on in the path of life. Can you say amen? Let me illustrate what repentance really is. Here's what repentance is. Watch me now. I'm going one direction, and it's the wrong direction. I'm doing my own thing. I'm living life however I want to live. I'm sinning against God. I'm following traditions. I'm basically, if I keep going this way, where am I heading? I'm going to be lost, friends. I'm going to hell. What, what do I need to do in order to be saved? I need to turn around. I need to, in other words, repent. So someone say repent. I hear the word of repent. And I heed the word, and I turn around, I've just repented. And now I'm heading the opposite way, 180 degrees around. Now I'm taking steps to Christ. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. I'm witnessing. I'm going to church. I'm on my way to heaven. And on my way, I may stumble and fall and make a mistake. Because repentance does not mean that you'll never sin and fall again. But at least if I fall, I'm not turning around and running back to the world, am I? No. I fall, but I say, Lord, please forgive me. I've made a mistake. I've lied, I've I lost my temper, I've, I, I've done something I, I shouldn't have done. Please forgive me, Lord. And our heavenly, kind, benevolent Father, he picks us up, dusts us off, and he helps us to continue on our way to heaven. Can you say amen? That's what repentance is. It does not mean you're perfect, but it means that when you fall, at least you're not going back. You fall on Jesus. 
You fall on the mercy of God and you allow him to pick you up and you continue to move forward and you fall again. Just get back up because, friends, it does not matter how many times you fall. What matters is how many times you rise up again. The Bible says that a just man falls seven times but rises up again. Can you say amen? And so that's repentance, friends. We continue to grow in grace. And friends, what causes us to repent? What causes us to turn around, to change our mind, to feel a sorrow for the sin of our lives? Well, friends, the Bible tells us that the only thing that can enable us to repent is the goodness of God. In fact, before we get to that, let let me read. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38 says, Now when they heard this, what did they hear? They heard the message of God through the preaching of Peter on the day of Pentecost. When they heard this, they were what? Pricked to their hearts. In other words, they were convicted by what they heard. The message of God's word had convicted them. And then notice, they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? In other words, we've heard this message night after night. We're convicted now. We believe it's true. We understand it in our minds. Now what do we do? Notice Peter's answer. He says, repent and be. So repentance precedes baptism. A person that has not yet repented and were baptized should be baptized again. Because they must experience repentance first. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So repentance, a change of mind, a change of life, uh, the beginning parts of it must come before a person is baptized. The only thing that enables us to repent, to turn around, as I said before, is Romans 2.4. It says the goodness of God leads to what? In other words, willpower and human effort are not strong enough to cause us to turn around. The fear of hell and the reward of heaven is not strong enough to cause us to turn from the sin we so naturally love and turn to the God that we so naturally despise. The only thing that is powerful enough to cause us to U-turn is the goodness of God. And so instead of focusing on your badness, focus on his goodness. Because friends, when you focus on yourself, you don't see how you can be saved. But when you focus on Jesus, you don't see how you can be lost. And friends, what is the greatest demonstration of the goodness of God? It's the cross. Oh, friends, when you look at Calvary's cross, the cross of Jesus reveals the depth of Jesus' sacrificial love for you. But not only does it reveal love, the cross also reveals sin. It it reveals the true hideous nature of sin and the breaking of the law. Because when you look upon the cross, you realize that sin is what did this. Jesus died because of sin. And so when you, when you look at the cross, it, you see sin is so ugly, so bloody, so gory. Oh, it's so terrible. It causes so much pain. And because of that, we want to turn from it. Oh, I don't want that. It's so painful. It's so hideous. It causes pain to my maker. And so you turn from that. At the same time, you're now being drawn to the God of love, the one that loves a world that did not love him. And friends, when you see the goodness of God, it caused you to turn around. It puts in our hearts a hatred towards sin and a love towards him that has the power to change us from the inside out. When we see the goodness of God as he prays, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive these murderers. They are guilty of my blood. Forgive them. We see how it causes him pain. But then we see love. We realize that our sins is what placed him there. We realize that when we sin, we crucify Jesus afresh. That, brothers and sisters, gives us the power to turn around, to live a brand new life. Can you say amen? So don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on on the heavenly reward or the fear of hell. 
focus on the goodness of God, and as a natural result, God is going to change you from the inside out. Can you say amen? And so what are the steps towards baptism? Three steps. The first one is to learn the essential teachings of the Bible. Receive instructions of the essentials of, of the biblical faith. You won't know everything, but you ought to know the most important things. And when you learn it, then number two, you must believe it, not just intellectually in your mind, but with all your heart by surrendering your life, by getting on the back of God, saying, God, now I want you to be in control. And then number three, we need to repent, have a genuine sorrow for sin, and being willing to turn from that old life and turn to Christ. This is the inward experience. And as you can see, friends, a baby and a little child cannot have this experience. And so therefore, infant baptism is not biblical. For those who are baptized as an infant, you need to be baptized as an adult when you experience these things in your life. Because friends, listen, before there is a burial, there first has to be a death. It is illegal and it's immoral to bury someone alive. Isn't that right? If you bury someone alive, that's murder. And so to, to bury someone, to baptize someone that is still alive in the flesh is something that is not pleasing in the eyes of God. Not only that, but there first must be labor in order to be a birth. Isn't that right? And babies that are born prematurely are at greater risk of infant mortality. Isn't that right? A premature child is at greater risk of dying. And so too, one that is baptized early and without having these three things is at greater risk of dying spiritually and giving up and going back to the world. And so, friends, why are these preparatory steps so important? Because, friends, listen, there's nothing magical about the water. We don't put Clorox in the water to clean people. The water is just a symbol of an outward expression of the inward experience. It's only the Holy Spirit that can change. Can you say amen? The Spirit is the one that leads us into an understanding of the truth, a belief in the truth, and repentance from sin and turning to the truth. And friends, when we're baptized outwardly, it's just a symbol of what God has already been doing in our lives. Now, friends, will all our problems go away at baptism? No, friends. Baptism does not mean that life is going to be smooth sailing from now on. Because after Jesus was baptized, one of the most trying periods of his life was immediately after he was baptized. Where did he go? Into the wilderness to be what? Severely tempted by Satan. And friends, in the wilderness, he was attacked. And friends, so too, when you're baptized, you're going to be attacked by Satan. But in that wilderness experience, Jesus won the victory. Can you say amen? And he won the victory the same way we win the victory when Satan attacks us. He didn't use his divine power, but he used the same power available to us, the word of God. Jesus says, it is written. And so, friends, if we want to win the victory over sin, it's found in the power of the word of God. How can we remain faithful until the end? How can God finish the work that he started? Notice what it says, a few more scriptures before we begin to bring out a few last points. In 1 John 3, verse 9, write it down. It says, whoever has been born of God does not what? Why? For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So the one that has been born of God, the Bible says, cannot sin as long as the seed remains. What word was that? Remains in him. Now, friends, what is this seed that gives us victory over sin and enables us to overcome sin? What is the seed? Friends, it's the word of God. Notice 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And so, friends, as we continue to claim the power of the word of God, claiming and memorizing the precious promises, it gives us power to overcome the attacks and temptations of Satan. It's an incorruptible seed. It lives. It's a, it abides forever. And then it says in Psalms 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? That I might not sin against thee. And then it says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, 
For whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Not by works, friends. Not by human effort or willpower. It is faith in the Word of God that gives us the victory. And friends, listen, as we learn to depend on God's Word day by day, as we learn to lean upon the promises of Jesus, the Bible gives the promise in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, friends, many times we start things that we can't finish. But when God starts something, he is more than able to finish it as we give him permission day by day. Can you say amen? amen. And so baptism is not a finishing. It's simply a new beginning. And what God has started, he will finish as long as we d- depend. And so listen, friends, it's not about trying. It's about trusting. It's not about running in your own strength, but it's about resting in the strength of the Lord because the Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Can you say amen? And so we should not worry about tomorrow, just one day at a time, day by day with Jesus. Tomorrow has enough problems for itself, but God has given us grace that is sufficient for us every single day. And friends, before we close, the next question is, should a person ever be rebaptized? And if so, when? Well, there are various different reasons why individuals ought to be rebaptized. One of them is if their baptism was different from what the Bible teaches. If they were baptized by pouring or sprinkling or rose petal or fire hose, that's not what the Bible teaches. And so they ought to be baptized by immersion, just as Jesus was giving us an example to follow. Also, if you were baptized as an infant, you ought to be baptized as an adult. Because, friends, that was not your decision. That was your parents' decision. But God wants, to make, God wants us to make our own personal decision for Christ. Can you say amen? Another reason why a person should be rebaptized is if they did not know what they were doing when they were baptized the first time. Maybe they did it because others were doing it. Maybe they just want, were going through the motions. They just want to get wet and go through the, the, the experience. And not understanding belief and true repentance, they ought to be rebaptized as a personal experience for themselves. Or if you're coming back to Christ. Maybe you're baptized by immersion before, but you've backslid, you've fallen away, you went to live with the pigs and eating the pig's food like the prodigal son. But now you've come to yourself and you realize that the world could never satisfy the emptiness within. And now you want to come home. Well, friends, rebaptism is a beautiful experience of coming back to Christ. Now, friends, that doesn't mean that you should be rebaptized every time you sin. Amen? Because obviously we're going to be making mistakes. But it means when you've walked away from God openly and publicly, when you've, when you've reproached his name before others, if you've walked away publicly, you ought to come back publicly as well. And for those struggles that we have internally, you see, communion and foot washing is like a mini baptism. You see, when we walk around in this world, we, we're going to end up getting mud and dirt on our feet. And so Jesus instituted the foot washing service and the communion service to be a mini baptism, a mini cleansing for those who are walking with Jesus like the disciples were, but go through trials and struggles in their life. But friends, tonight, one of the other reasons before we close why a person should be rebaptized is if they were learning new truth. And we actually find this example in the book of Acts chapter 19. Please open there with me. The 19th chapter of the book of Acts gives us the story of specific disciples that were following God the best they knew how. And the Bible tells us that when they learned new truth, they were actually baptized into the new truth. Notice with me in the book of Acts chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. Acts 19 verse 1, if you're there, would you please let me know by saying amen? The Bible says, 
And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. Verse 5. And when they heard this, stop right there. Tell me, friends, what did they hear? What did these disciples hear? They heard present truth. Truth that was relevant for their day that they did not hear before. Now, they were baptized by John the Baptist. Now, friends, was that a legitimate baptism, yes or no? I mean, that's how Jesus was baptized. That was a legitimate baptism by immersion. But when they heard this, that is the present truth of the day, when they heard this new message, it says that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, they were rebaptized. we can say, upon hearing new truth. And so we find a biblical precedent. That certain times, as individuals learn new truth from God's word, they sense the Holy Spirit calling them to seal their commitment to follow that truth with a rebaptism. Now, that's not necessary every time you learn something new. Can you say amen? Well, because we're going to be learning new things every single day. But when you learn dramatic truth, what kind of truth? That adds a new dimension to the Christian walk, new revelations of truth that affect your worship and your obedience to God when you find this new truth, it's then that God gives us a precedent for being rebaptized into this new truth. And friends, as we've come to the Revelation of Hope seminar, I've experienced many people coming and learning amazing truths from God's Word, truths that have always been there. And there are many individuals upon learning this truth, they're sincere Christians that are walking in all the light they knew, but sometimes the Spirit of God convicts them that they need a new beginning because this truth dramatically affects and changes their lives. Some people realize that they've been breaking the fourth commandment in keeping Sunday, the first day of the week. And they realize that the law of God is not a minor issue. It's something that is major. God wrote it with his own finger on tablets of stone, and sin crucifies Jesus. And so as they learn truths like these, they sense the Spirit of God calling them to seal their commitment with a rebaptism. And friends, if this is you, you have a biblical precedent for making a decision like this. And friends, don't hesitate it because I made that decision myself. I had to be baptized the second time because the first time I did it, I was not walking in the truth. And there's many things that I did not really understand. And friends, if you have been walking in truth and, 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 and you learn the truth in being rebaptized, you're not denying your former experience. Just as John's disciples were not denying what they experienced in the past. They're simply saying, you're simply saying we've learned the larger body of truth. And now we're wanting to take the next step in our experience with the Lord. I want to follow and live according to all the truth and all the light that God has given to me. Can you say amen? And so the next question is this. What happens when a person is baptized? Every sin is forgiven, even the ones that they don't remember, the ones that they're ignorant of. Can you say amen? Not only that, but the Spirit is given in a special way to empower a person to live a new life. And not only that, but when we're baptized, we're adopted into the family of God, a group of Bible-believing, Spirit-filled, commandment-keeping, faith-walking group of people all around the world that is living their lives for Christ with a mission to hasten the coming of Jesus. And friends, as we close tonight, many, perhaps you've never understood the importance and meaning of baptism before. Maybe you've never had the opportunity to be baptized by immersion like how Jesus was. Maybe you have been baptized, but you've turned away. You've walked away from God and his church, and now you're sensing the Spirit of God calling you to come home. Or maybe as you've come to the seminar, you come from another faith walk, but you've learned new truth, and now you want to accept all the truth and seal it with a new commitment, a new beginning, a rebaptism with Jesus. Friends, tonight, I want to give to you an opportunity to respond to the invitation of Christ. 
And remember, baptism does not mean that you're perfect. It means that you're committed. Committed to Him that was first committed to you. Baptism does not mean that everything will be smooth sailing. But what it does mean is that God will be with you to the very end of the age and He will finish the work that He has begun in your life. And God is not dependent upon strength or willpower. All He's calling from us is a willing heart and a willing spirit. Oh friends, Jesus died for you. The question tonight is, will you live for Him? The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, it says, and now, why are you waiting? The apostle asked. He asked the people that were listening to the word of God. He said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. And I pose the same question to you tonight. The spirit of God is calling you. Why are you waiting? What holds you back? What causes you to hesitate? Do you need a new beginning tonight? Do you need... A fresh start with the God of restoration our past may be dark but our future is bright in order to live the life of Jesus the old first must die Jesus died so that you can live how many of you tonight want to say yes Lord I accept your death so that I can receive your life tonight I want to give you an opportunity to make this decision the ushers have a decision card. I want to invite them to pass that out right now. Would you please pass those, art, pass those out, ushers? Would you please take a card and pass it down as we make our decision for Jesus tonight? As they pass out these cards, I invite you to listen carefully to the words of this song as the Spirit of God ministers to your heart tonight. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. At the heart's portal, He's waiting and watching, watching everyone has a card tonight so that we can make our decision for Christ we're going to go through the card together before we do let me read that verse again in Acts 22 16 the Bible says and now why do you wait arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord tonight is a night of new beginnings and if you sense the spirit of God calling you to have a clean slate I invite you now to make your decision on this card as we go through it together the first box says I love Jesus 
and I want to recommit my life fully to Him. Oh, friends, is that your prayer? Love Jesus, amen? Friends, this first box is something I hope we would all check tonight. That no matter where we are in our experience, that we would at least recommit to Him this evening. The second box says, I want to look forward to my baptism in the near future. And then under that, there are three options for three different people. The first one says, I've never been baptized by immersion before. Maybe you're baptized as an infant by sprinkling or by pouring, but never like how Jesus was. And tonight, you want to follow in the footsteps of your maker, your master, your friend Jesus. Check that box, friends. Allow him to bring and give you a new beginning tonight. The next one says, I fell away from Christ and now I want to be rebaptized. Maybe you were baptized in the past, but you've strayed away. You've wandered far away from home. But tonight, softly and tenderly, Jesus calls you back. And even though you've wasted many years like the prodigal son did, friends, when he came home, the father came and he ran towards him, put his arms around him, covered him with his own robe. And our heavenly father does the same for the backsliders here tonight. If you've wandered away from Jesus, it's time to come home. It's time to stop eating the pig's food because God has bread enough to spare at his heavenly table for you tonight. And so if you're a backslider, you've wandered far away, Make the decision tonight. I fell away. I want to be rebaptized. And then the third one says, I've learned new truth. Maybe you've been baptized in the past. You've never really fallen away. You've walked with God in sincerity all your life, and, but yet you've missed out on some essential truth and teachings from the Word of God. And as you've come to a deeper understanding of truth, perhaps in this seminar, maybe the Spirit of God is saying, you need to walk in this truth and, and you need to have a new beginning. Friends, if that's you, you have a biblical precedent for making that choice. Make it for Jesus tonight. If God is calling, don't hesitate. There is joy in this commitment, in this decision tonight. The next box says, please pray that I would have courage to make this important decision in my life. Maybe you know you should make this decision, but you feel like you're not ready. You have issues and problems in your life, and you want us to pray for you, that God win the victory, that he would break Whatever has you bound to this world, that he would set you free from the chains that hold you back, the past that keeps you from living in the present. If you want special prayer, check that box. We're going to pray over every name and every person. And then the last box says, I would like a personal visit. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you need some counseling. You need some special one-on-one -on -one time with someone on our team. Please check that box. We'll be glad to meet with you. And if you're finished, would you please write your name very clearly on the card? And then write your number. Please write it so that we can read it. And as you make your decision, when you're finished, just turn the card over and pass it to the center aisle. Would you do that right now? Pass your decisions in. And the ushers are coming now to collect it. And as they collect the decisions, I invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and listen to the words of this song. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and for me? Why should we linger and heed not His mercies, mercies for you? Thank you. 
sinners come home. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord, for speaking to our hearts tonight. We thank you, God, that you accept us just as we are. We, your love never leaves us as we are. You have the power to give us a brand new beginning. To give us a clean slate. To wash away the past. And to guarantee a beautiful future for each one. Lord, tonight I know that your spirit is calling. Your children for a full surrender. And tonight, dear God, as we make this last invitation, give your people courage to stand to not let anything or anyone hold them back. Please, Spirit of God, fill this room. Convict us and help us to respond now. And as your heads are bowed and as your eyes are closed, as your heart is open to God in prayer, before I conclude this prayer, I'm wondering, is there someone here tonight that indicated on your card that you need a new beginning with Jesus in baptism? Is there someone here that said, yes, Lord, I need to be born again? Yes, Lord, I've strayed away. Yes, Lord, I've learned new truth. Yes, Lord, I want a clean slate, a fresh start. I've been a slave of the past, but now I want to be free to serve you in the present. Did someone here make a decision for baptism or rebaptism? Did you make that decision? If so, would you raise your hand? If you have made that decision for baptism, you need special prayer. Because Satan sees it, he's going to attack. He's going to try to destroy you. So you need special protection tonight. And so I want to invite those whose hands are raised. I want to invite those who've made their decision for Jesus. I want to invite you to stand right now where you are. And even more than that, I invite you to come down to this spiritual altar to kneel down before the God in heaven as we say a special prayer of protection and help for you. If you've sensed God calling you, would you come now? God bless you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. God bless you, folks. I invite you to kneel down at this altar. If you're able to kneel, if not, you can stand. I invite you to pray in your heart. Now, friends, as these have come, God bless you, folks. I'm wondering, is there somebody else that needs a new beginning with Jesus? Is there someone else that you perhaps did not indicate on the card, but you want a clean start? God bless you. God bless you, folks. Holy Spirit is calling. Won't you come? God bless you, my brother. God bless you, sister. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Oh, friends, now's the time to be praying. Because I know that there is somebody else that is still sitting in the pew that God is calling. And they're hesitating whether or not they should respond. Friends, why are you waiting? What is holding you back? Jesus only wants to give you a brand new beginning. Would you come and live? Don't let the world hold you back. Come and live tonight. God bless you, my sisters. Oh, prayers are being answered right now. Prayers of parents are being answered. Chains are being broken. Lives and marriages are being restored. As people are coming to Jesus, God bless you, my brother. Making the right decision. But is there somebody else that needs to come? God bless you, sister. This is not an emotional decision, friends. Don't wait for an emotion. It's based upon the truth and the clear call of Jesus. You may have problems, but friends, 
God is not calling you to change your problems before you come. You come to Him with your problems. He is the only one that can change it. You may have addictions. You may have issues. Come to Jesus just as you are. Lay it at His feet tonight and let Him remove those burdens and give you His peace. Oh, friends, Jesus is coming soon. There's no time to waste in this world. Tonight, it doesn't matter where you came from. What matters is where you're going. There's someone else that God is calling. If so, would you come? It does not matter what others think. It does not matter what your friends or your family members say. All that matters is what Jesus thinks. And tonight, He thinks the world of you. He wants to give you a new life of peace and rest. Don't you need His forgiveness? Oh, God bless you, Auntie. There's somebody else. God bless you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. God bless you, Mom. God bless you. My heart is rejoicing tonight. I've seen the answer to prayers tonight. Friends, tonight there's a spiritual battle taking place. There's a war taking place in individuals' hearts right now. Satan is causing people to waver and hesitate, causing people to sit there, those whom God is pleading. They need your prayers. If God is not calling you to come, pray for the person next to you that is struggling, that needs to make the decision tonight before it's too late. And if that's you, won't you come, my friend? Won't you come? I'm about to close. We're about to pray and dismiss. But don't miss your opportunity. God has been waiting all your life. Don't keep Him waiting any longer. Don't make God beg, friends. God doesn't have to beg. He's already died. What more does He have to do to prove to you that He loves you? Is there one more person that God is calling that would like to respond before I pray? Is there someone else? Is there one more that is feeling the conviction of the Spirit in their hearts? Don't put this decision off. It's never too soon to make this decision. But one day it will be too late. It's never too soon. One day it will be too late. God bless you. God bless you. If there's somebody else that would like to come while our sister comes, if so, would you come, friends? Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Come now. God bless you. Come and live. Come and be saved. Come and be forgiven. Come and be restored. Come and be cleansed. Come and live. God bless you. Praise God. If you want to be fully committed to Christ, if you want God to finish the work in your life, you don't need to be rebaptized because you've already been baptized, but you want to say, Lord, finish the work you've started. If that's your prayer, would you kneel with me as we join these on their knees in closing in prayer tonight? Oh, Lord, thank you so much, God, for not giving up on us. Thank you so much, God, 
for not leaving us to perish in our foolish sins. Thank you so much, God, for your patience with us. We have been hard-headed, hard-hearted. We have resisted your voice and have ignored you so many times. Thank you for not leaving us. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for inviting us to come back to you tonight. And Lord, we have responded to your invitation. We've heard a man's voice, but you're the one that was speaking, God. You're the one that is the one that saves. Tonight, Lord, we kneel before you, the holy and righteous God of the universe, acknowledging, Lord, that our way of living is not the right way. We have done life our own way and we're still unhappy, dissatisfied, broken and messed up. Lord, please forgive us for trying to live life without you. Please forgive us, O oh God, for doing our own things, thinking that we can carry our own burdens and be in control of our own lives and do it our way. Lord, how foolish we were. Please forgive us, God. Tonight, we bow down before you in humble submission and surrender, acknowledging, Lord, that your way is the right way. It is the best way. It is the happy way. Tonight, we ask, Lord Jesus, please come into our hearts again. Restore us back into your image. Give us the joy of full salvation. Renew a right spirit within us, O oh God. Father, I thank you especially for these, your people that have come down to the front, that have made a special, special covenant with you by sacrifice and surrendering themselves. They want a brand new beginning, Lord, and so bless them with this, the desire of their hearts. Lord, we know that Satan is going to attack them. So right now we pray for them. We intercede on their behalf and we ask, Lord, that you please send your mightiest angels to guard them, surround them, to push back every demonic influence. We pray that you'll protect them and keep them safe. We pray, Lord, that wherever there is habits and addictions, that you would break the chains tonight, that you would free these, your children. You promised, Lord, that when the Son of God shall make us free, we shall be free indeed. So we claim this promise, Lord, that we can be free of our past, free from the, from the bitterness, the unforgiving spirit, free from alcoholism and drugs, free from doubt, from worry, from fear. Set these, your children, free, Lord. I pray that you'll give them peace. Wherever there is doubt, give them faith. Where there is weakness, give them power and strength. Where there is fear and, or anxiety, to give them calm rest and assurance that what you have begun you will finish so lord bless them now as we leave this place but may we never leave from your presence i pray that you'll write each of their names in the book of life right now and may nothing blot it out may this truly be the beginning of eternity for them and may nothing cause them to turn around only moving forward upward and onward till Jesus comes. Thank you so much for the victory that has been won. And now, Lord, I want to pray for those who should have come but did not come. Those in the pews who you're calling to make this decision. Lord, I don't know why they are hesitating, but you know. And I pray, Lord, that you'll please give them another chance. Give them special grace and special probation that as they go home, that they would go to their knees and that you'd give them rest only when they've come to the point of deciding to go all the way 
with Jesus. Bless us now as we leave. We thank you so much for your peace, for your joy, for your rest. We receive it by faith tonight. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name we pray. That all of God's children say, Amen. Amen.